On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. This, as we mentioned, is our last show of the year. It's 2022, nearing its conclusion. Uh, one week out from Christmas, because it is Christmas Day tomorrow, er, not tomorrow, next Sunday, which is why we're not here. Uh, which is why it I seems got a like. right there. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Donald's got no shopping done. Well, uh, if you're on the lookout, actually, for some last minute Christmas gifts, uh, Donald, it, it does have some advice for you uh, this Sunday on an unusual edition of Hidden Histories, because it obviously is a good time to look back on, on the year that was in history. If, if that isn't a contradiction in terms, the, the year in history. Uh, but what, it was a strong year for history books. Uh, so Donald wants to look back on some of the books that were warmly received uh, in 2022, which might make for some fine Christmas gifts. And um, perhaps the best-selling book of the year uh, in history terms, uh, Donald, was from a genre which is not without its controversies. Yeah, I imagine many people are going to wake up on Christmas morning and hand this book to someone and get it handed back to them because it's been a runaway success, the Irish Civil War uh, in colour. And look, we've talked about that on, the, on this slot before, the colorization of historic images. It yeah. hasn't been without its controversies. You, you, you told us about the, the unusual situation in which there's a book published this year which has two forewords written yeah, to it, yeah, one yeah. by you and one by Dermot Ferreter, in which you take opposite views of the merit of the yeah, book. Yeah, I, I kind of argue, well, that was Rob Cross's book and he yeah. includes the black and white uh, original alongside the coloured images. Okay. So I said, look, I think this is fair and, yeah. and, and Ferreter took a, a very different line on it. But that I think takes, this, it's not, not to waylay you too early, but that, that takes some bravery because I know that you're a former student of Ferreter, so must yeah, take you yeah, like you yeah, must yeah. like give um, you the heebie-jeebie slightly when you're like so this guy is like a national institution and, and I'm taking name, the opposite view beside yeah. his name in front of a book is scary in itself but yeah I mean I, I thought it was very brave of the publisher that they asked for it to write an introduction for a colorized book and he slammed it yeah which I and thought still was, published was very brave yeah. of the publisher but this all began really with Old Ireland in Colour which was a, a collaboration between John Breslin and historian Sarah Ann Buckley but I think what what these lads have done Michael Barry and, and John O'Byrne you know, they've gone on a very deep dive for this book. So there's pictures in there from the Civil War that I'd never seen before. There's a brilliant image of the anti-treaty IRA. They've just taken over the Kildare Street Club okay. uh, down on the corner of Kildare Street yeah. and Nassau Street where the Alliance Francais is today. And they're standing outside of it in kind of liberated top hats and porter's okay. coats. And <laughs> they look like young men, 17, 18, 19, who, yeah. who really don't think that a civil war is just around the corner. But yeah, I mean, Ronan McCreevy nailed it in the Irish Times. He said, look, the argument for colorization is that the subjects involved saw their lives in color. The counter argument to colorization is that it's interfering with original source material. And the process is, by definition, a matter of guesswork. But you know what? The public don't care uh, what me <laughs> yeah. and Dermot Ferreter yeah. and Ronan McCreevy think about colorized pictures because, you know, they voted at the shop till and yeah. you know, well done Irish Civil War and colour it was it was the runaway success of Irish history yeah. this year and Rob Cross's one didn't do too badly either which I think means in the debate between you and Dermot Ferreter you win uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, so take that Ferreter and suck on it um, one of the more unusual books of the year uh, was about stuff and a hundred pieces of stuff. Yeah, material culture. What is material culture? It's the stuff all around us. And one of my favourite books was uh, Siobhan Doyle's book, A History of the GAA in 100 Objects. Mm. Uh, Siobhan works up in the National Museum, so she thinks a lot about kind of artefacts, objects, all of that. And, you know, this was a really interesting way of approaching the story of the GAA, trying to tell the tale of the organisation in terms of a sporting organisation, a cultural organisation, a political organisation, sometimes with a small P, sometimes with a big P. And some of the stuff in it's brilliant. Uh, the John Tree 7 sign, you know, we all remember that. Yeah. <laughs> On the hill, that yellow sign, black text, John Tree 7. She tells the story of it and its owner, 
uh, Frank Hogan. And uh, originally he had a different Bible verse reference, but it was too long, apparently, when people asked him what it meant. So he oh, went right. For <laughs> so he, he needed a shorter Bible verse yeah. to refer to. Okay. So John 3, 7 won yeah. the day. Ecclesiastes uh, sixteen nineteen. It doesn't have the same kind no, of brevity no, to it. No, no, But uh, Michael Cusack's black torn stick is in there. The the yellow Schlitter. Just really, really nice. And, oh, yes, the Schmarzlitter. Yes, yeah, we've and, talked and about that in this lot. Yeah. Listeners might remember there was a, an exhibition in the National Museum a couple of years ago, Fintan O'Toole told the story of Ireland and a hundred objects, uh, including the, the sign from the defunct and disgraced Anglo-Irish bank on Stephen's mm. Green. So this is a very popular approach to the past now. You know, can you take objects, everyday objects, and tell a big story with them? And yeah, yeah Siobhan did a great job. I've heard some very good things about that history of the GA and a hundred objects. I know a lot of people who, who have uh, received it as gifts already this year and really very much enjoyed it. So that might be a nice one for, for the sports fan in your life. Um, the Irish Revolution inspired uh, an awful lot. And of course, we're getting near the end of the decade of centenaries now. Uh, but one of the uh, really quite interesting books that it did inspire was a tome about destroyed houses. Yeah, and I mean, the publishers, you know, kept their interest up in, in, in the War of Independence right to the end. And now we've seen a lot of stuff on the on the Civil War. Beautiful book by Terence Dooley uh, from Minute University, Burning the Big House, the story of the Irish country house in time of war and revolution. It was one of those rare things. It was a kind of academic book uh, from Yale that made impact beyond that, you know, that made its way into the, into the mainstream bookshops. Uh, and Dooley's written a lot about the big house over the course of his career, but this was kind of about the way these gorgeous houses were kind of systematically targeted uh, during mm. the Irish Revolution. So you actually see that in, in, in The Wind That Shakes the Barley, for example. But during yeah, the War of yeah. Independence, they were basically symbols of kind of aristocratic rule. Mm. And then in the Civil War, the kind of anti-treaty Republicans kind of start targeting the homes of, of senators, mm. industrialists, supporters of the new state. So we, we lost some gorgeous houses uh, around the country, like Coolbon House in Wexford. Uh, entangled in the politics of the yeah. day. But I mean, that was just a really, really beautiful idea for a book to look at all these kind of sad landmarks, if you will, of the, yeah. of the, of the violence. I think Coolbon House, is that the one that it, it's at the end of a big drive in a sort of a middle of a forest? And it, it's, a, it's a smashing building. Actually, I'd never seen it. And then it was in the first scene of, uh, oh God, I'm about to go down an awful tangent of, of Gav doing Gav things. It's in the opening scene of a documentary about the centenary of the Shannon, uh, which aired on Oroctus TV last Monday night, and which you can watch back on Oroctus.ie. And if you're into that sort of thing, uh, you will actually enjoy it. But actually, Kuban has, it, like, it's it's an extraordinary vista, the idea that this, this stone facade of a mansion yeah. and, and completely burnt down. You can literally see through the the, the gaps where the windows used to be and just see it all overgrown now. But I, it, it's I, a magnificent building. I and feel like we're at the annual general general meeting of the Oroctus TV viewers. All two of us are here. Um, just like last year, uh, there's been an awful lot written uh, in 2022 or a lot published rather uh, about a certain Charles J. Hawhey. Yeah, I think the great book of 2021 was that biography of Charles Hawhey, which was extraordinary. Uh, and in 2022, plenty on CJ as well. Uh, the Taoiseach and the Arts by Kevin Rafter from the, the chairperson of the Arts Council. Really beautiful book, uh, an overview of the kind of sometimes complex relationship between the political leaders of Ireland and, and the arts. And look, most famously, there is Hawhey, isn't there? You know, instrumental figure uh, in the establishment of the Irish Museum of Modern Art. I think one of the most important relationships in Hawhey's political life mm. was with Anthony Cronin and in terms of his his arts advisor. So yeah, Rafter's written this lovely book and the cover of it is a, a baffled C.J. Hawhey looking at a depiction of himself in an exhibition <laughs> of modern art. And you know, I think Hawhey's ego was such that if someone was painting him, that was good enough. Yeah, it matter if yeah. it was 
good or Even bad. If it was a slightly avant-garde take on the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah his, his head on the on the body of a dog. But Rafter takes a, a, a much broader approach to the subject than just hockey. You know, he goes through various political leaders uh, in the history of the state and, and how they felt about the arts or if they thought about the arts at all in some cases. Mm. Uh, I've just realised, by the way, that not all of the viewers of Rockless TV are here because uh, Mrs. Riley fell asleep on the couch on Monday <laughs> night and woke up to find me watching that documentary, which means that there is a third viewer of Rockless TV who isn't with us today. So I don't know if we've made the quorum uh, for the AGM. Um, that very first uh, state leader, uh, you just mentioned uh, Cosgrave there, he actually put a few artists of, of various kinds into the upper house. Yeah, Cosgrave put WB Yeats and, and Oliver Sinjin and Gogarty uh, into the Shannon. Mm. No, one, no one really knew what the Shannon was going to be, if it was going to function uh, in any way, shape or form. But he also looks at, at Sean Lamas and you know, we learned that Lamas took a very dim view uh, of the output of, of, of Brendan Behan and, and when Behan heard this, that Lamas wasn't a fan of his work, he said that the Taoiseach must be an expert on emigration as he is in dramatic criticism. So marrying his dual talents, he may produce an answer to this question. Why so many Irish playwrights leave home? <laughs> but, yeah, wow. it's, a, it's a really, you know, the the, the, the hockey stuff, people have touched on that before and there's yeah. been histories of Emma, but getting into the head of Cosgrave and Lamas and others around the arts is really, really interesting. Yeah, uh, the second half of that Shannon documentary, by the way, is tomorrow night uh, on, on uh, Monday at eight o'clock on, on Rockstar TV. All three of us might be watching it at some point. Um, one unsung hero uh, who came came forward in print this year was Dan Bryan who had a, an incredible story about World War II. Yeah, Mark McMenamin, the documentary maker. Uh, I mostly know him as making radio documentaries but he, he wrote this lovely book Ireland's Secret War, Dan Bryan, G2 and the Lost Tapes that revealed the hunt for Ireland's Nazi yeah. spies. What a great yeah, G- name. G2. G2 is not an acronym a lot of people will know. Yeah, so G2, it, it, it's military intelligence. So okay. a very, very important part of the, the state apparatus you know, during the, the so-called emergency. And we've gone back to the emergency so many times on this slot because it's just really fascinating mm. isn't it I mean the Irish state uh, not not unlike today in some ways you know militarily neutral but not necessarily politically neutral Yes, and with a political movement that was actually you know trying to engage with Nazi Germany I mean Sean Russell uh, a 1916 veteran IRA chief of staff dies on a German U-boat you're coming back into Ireland so mm. it's an extraordinary time in terms of what's going on between the IRA and Nazi Germany but Mark's written about this guy Dan Bryan who, yeah. who most of us have never heard of you know we formed a close relationship with Guy Little of MI5 who was designated as head of the Ireland desk during World War II he would go on to serve as MI5 director after the war that relationship was known informally as the Dublin Link and it centred on the sharing of security information security information and proved to be instrumental in the maintenance of Irish sovereignty during Mm. the war years. Now that, to me, puts paid to Winston Churchill's ramblings uh, after the war, the ramblings of a drunk man on the radio (laughs) in which he said that Ireland was a thorn in his side and tried to obscure and stop the war effort and everything else. So this book, you know, really reveals Ireland's importance and often unsung part uh, in, in in the story of World War Two, the, for just a second there, I was about to go. Do you know for certain that Churchill was drunk? And then you go, well, actually, just look <laughs> well, at the the balance of probabilities. <laughs> I think it was after midday. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that that there's there's a pretty good chance of it. But of course, yeah, no, that it is striking because if everyone remembers Churchill's thing, you know that the, this should be this moment of great national and almost global joy, and yet he's still having a go at like you know uh, we won it, but no no thanks to you, Paddy's over there. Yeah, and, and then, then the re- greatest diss track of all yeah. time was you know Eamon de Valera's <laughs> response, which is just an extraordinary moment in Irish radio. It's not the first time in this slot that you. have the diss track and it's still brilliant um, beyond these books I mean the books that we've just spoken about there, there was more too not always like traditional history books but there have been a few books this year very much shaped yeah, by our past last week we looked at that uh, Little Republics you know Adrian Duncan's book on, on Bungalow Bliss mm. uh, Monica McGann's book Listen to the Land Speak another runaway success and anyway, that was much deeper than a traditional history book it was folklore it was geography it was language it was the the kind of great and mad journey you know you'd expect to be brought on yeah. uh, by Malcolm McGann, and that was a consistent bestseller uh, all year round. An Irish Atlantic rainforest, Stone Dalton's book as well. 
these things all tapped into a certain feeling, I think, books like that. You know, it was yeah. a, a post-pandemic world, a, a countryside, a landscape that we were more familiar with and mm. a, a desire to know more about place. So, yeah, it was a really, really good year uh, in terms of engagement with the past. Uh, we will stick this up uh, as a podcast, as of course we always do, uh, on the News Talk uh, website, newstalk.com, or on the app uh, powered by GoLoud if you're looking for some more uh, tips or you want to go back over some of Donald's suggestions there. Of course, we couldn't let you go without suggesting that, of course, there is quite a, a well-selling tome this year about the history of the capital city and <laughs> 12 streets. It, yeah, a history of Dublin and 12 streets, and it's up for the Eason's uh, Reader's Favourite Book of the Year. You can get a 100 quid voucher for Eason's uh, if you win. Voting in the poll. So. What, what, what do you win if you win the poll? <laughs> <laughs> do, do you also win 100 quid? I hope match? I win 100 quid. Match, I, get it. <laughs> yeah. I hope it Roddy Collins, so my all-time Listen, greatest. But yeah. <laughs> go, I, I don't know whether you're eligible for the News Talk cash machine. It's over 100 grand this weekend. So <laughs> no. go, go and text play to 57557. Yeah, on the, the, the Easton's website and lots of those lovely books we talked about today uh, are up for that award. Yeah, so. I'll tweet the link to that in a couple of minutes as well. Uh, Twitter.com forward slash Gav Riley. I'll do that as soon as I'm, uh, I'm out of studio this lunchtime. Uh, Donald Fallon, uh, as ever, the author of uh, the Three Castles Burning uh, book about the history of the capital city, as well as many other good tomes that you can probably find in some good bookshops and the presenter of the Three Castles Burning podcast uh, thank you very much uh, for this and for all of your slots this year and we look forward to seeing you again uh, in 2023 On the Record with Gavin Riley Sunday morning at 11 Brought to you by PwC Great minds think unalike Different skill sets diverse opinions it all adds up to the new equation On News Talk